This episode of Hockey Press Pass is presented in part by the Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village. Unplug your game. Buy board games. Play board games. Food and drink. Fun. And friends. This is, this is just not Islanders hockey here to start this season. This is about as brutal of a, of a start to this season as anybody could have possibly imagined. And look, I'm not one to here to make excuses. I, I get it. With the COVID protocol, this team should probably be on a pause right now considering the Senators had two, just two more guys with COVID and they got their season paused. You can make excuses if you want. Trotz isn't making excuses. Lamorello isn't making excuses. You can't make excuses because then this team's going to go back to being the loser franchise that they were in the early 2010s. And we've come a long way since the Islanders were the laughing stock of the NHL. This team has Stanley Cup aspirations. And damn it, I think those aspirations still have to be in the grasp of the team and the entire fan base. So that being said, with eight guys in COVID protocol right now, with one of the best defensemen in the league injured for four to six weeks right now, this team is playing abysmal abysmal hockey night in and night out. They don't even have a chance. If it's not for Brock Nelson, who who now Brock Nelson is probably going to be hurt and probably going to miss a couple of games. He left the game against Toronto early. This team would be dead last in the league in goals scored. They are only second to the Coyotes. I mean, that is how bad this team has been at putting the puck in the back of the net. The defense, which has been the calling card of this organization for the last couple of years, has also been terrible. They're giving up more chances on even strength play than ever before in the last couple of seasons. They're not killing off penalties. They're not killing off opposing teams' power plays. They're giving, they've already given up three shorthanded goals. They didn't give up a single one last season. And this is just... I feel like I'm watching an entirely different team than I have in the last couple of years. Like, the Islanders have completely lost their identity. They've completely lost that gritty style of get to the dirty areas and fish the puck out and make teams sorry for coming into the offensive zone type of play that we've seen. And if not for if not for Brock Nelson scoring all the goals, and if not for Sorokin standing on his head almost every single night, this team would be losing games 7, 8-1, to 8 to nothing. I mean, they did lose 6-1 to one to the Florida Panthers. I mean, gee, they can't even put up more than 20 shots against Joseph Wall making his fourth career start. They give him his first career shutout in which they maybe put three, four good chances on net. And am I being too harsh? Maybe. But, I, I mean, I'm a passionate fan of this team. Chris, you know that. And it, it, this has just been, it's been unbearable to watch the, these first 15 games here already second to last in the Eastern Conference. Yay, we're, we're above Montreal. Congre- like The Islanders are above Montreal. Congratulations. They've got 67 games left, and it seems like the season is already over. I'm not going to go ahead and say the season is over. They better turn this around real quick, and they've got some really favorable scheduling, obviously, since they opened up the brand-new beautiful arena. They're going to play, what, 20 home games over the next 24 games or so? I'm not sure the exact number, but... I mean, Chris, this is they're 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 absolutely abysmal. They are non-existent on the power play. 
The defense, again, has lost its way. And Matty Barzell, I mean, look, your best player's got to step up. Your best player has to step up with basically all the other best goal scorers and players on this team, either on the COVID list right now or injured. Somebody just has to step up because other teams don't feel sorry for the Islanders, Chris. You know it, I know it, and the league knows it. And nobody's going to go out there and take them lightly just because they're, they've got all these issues right now. And again, do we, does the league need to step in and do something? Probably. But Chris, j- just the play on the ice, given that all these guys are out, the play on the ice is terrible. It, there's no other way to cut it. Well, happy Thanksgiving, Pat. Happy <laughs> Thanksgiving to, uh, to all the fans out there. Uh, nice to say hello. Hey, look, it's two different things here that we have to look at, and they're both bad. Because before the COVID outbreak, before the positive tests, the team was playing brutally. Yeah. And the eye-opener to me was I'm sitting in a bar in Bayside, Queens, and they're playing New Jersey, and they don't look like the Barry Trotz, Lou Lamorello, Marzell, Nelson Islanders. Like, I would have lost my bleeping house betting that game if I was dumb enough to bet on it. They, like, I Jersey? Jersey also missing key players? Like, that was a real, real eye-opener to me. So, so there's that and the Florida games, and it's like, okay, this team has some holes. Char and Parisi aren't getting it done. We get that. Now, but now, the last two games, especially Sunday, well, really both games, now, listen, you know, yes, we're always going to say, I don't use it as an excuse. We just they can't. The games are played. They count. I thought Lamorello handled himself, as always, admirably. Uh, he will not He will not criticize the league. He also did not say he understood what they were doing when it comes to where they decide to postpone games or not. And I'm, I'm reading between the lines there. I think there's some frustration there. But when you, when you suit a lineup like they did on Sunday, Saturday, at least they got mobility back on Sunday, you still barely have a chance. And it's like the NFL. I'm starting to see this now. On Twitter, it's like the NFL where everybody loves the backup quarterback, or sometimes in the Jets' case, the backup to the backup quarterback. <laughs> like, let's, let, you know, I think it's great that Hutton comes up and, and plays, you know, pretty well. But there is there is still overtime that's not going to work. So um, they can't push the panic button because you can't make a trade out of complete desperation. But I do think there's a possibility that if these games are not postponed this week, and as we record this on a late, late Monday night, uh, I can't rule out that that won't happen. But if they don't, you know, I could see some Band-Aid moves uh, made by Lamorello to just get some reinforcements in here. Uh, because it's getting late early, to use a Yogi Bearism, and it, there's reason to be worried. I'll say this. They could lose and they could play and lose these next four games, and I'm still not going to say the season's over. I know there's a lot of people will start to point out once you fall 10 points back, that's a problem, and teams don't come back. I still won't go there because I think when this team is all together, they are good enough to do what they have to do to make the playoffs. But without a question, there is reason to be worried. It is bleak. Sunday night against Toronto, that was some bleak stuff there going up against their backup to the backup goalie pad. Yeah, and, and you know, how, how good uh, 
How good do the Rangers look? And 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 look, you know, with the Islanders too. Even the chances, you know, I said I wasn't going to complain, but like Pajot and Paul Miri, Ham and and Parise, how many times have we seen these guys right in front of goals, wrist shots that look good, and they just can't find the back of the net? I mean, it seems like at times, Ev, the entire the entire weight of the world is against the Islanders right now. That even when they're getting good opportunities they still can't find the back of the net. And then you get a team like the damn Rangers who are going to come in on their high horse this week, get a goal, get a game-winning goal with less than a second left to beat the Sabres. And what, I mean, what an unbelievable start they're off to. And now we got now that the Islanders have to take on the Rangers here twice over the next week with, uh, with all these guys out with COVID, with all the injuries. Nelson probably going to miss some games now. Dobson might miss a game or two. We know Pulak's obviously out for the next several weeks. It just as much as 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 much hope as you can have right now, because they've played the least amount of games in the league. They're going to have uh, basically. It seems like you know again twenty out of twenty five home games. It might even be more than that here over the next two months. They, like, they, they just have not looked. They've looked like an AHL team. Yeah, no, I get it. And, and uh, it's just reality. There was many guys. Look, uh, the bullock injury is one thing. Uh, the Nelson thing could, you know, is, you know the, the guys that aren't COVID, that, that are non-COVID injuries, that, that's hockey, and that's going to happen. Let us remember that most of these last few seasons, even in the trots era, there have been gaps where the Islanders played miserably and people were starting to say oh i don't know that you know you're a believer in them so they're having it early now to, to be really frank like and, and, and it almost fits the narrative of everything that's gone on with the team including 20 the 20 years i worked there over the last 30 or so that that this new building opened that it led to them having to play 13 games on the road Playing those 13 games on the road, I'm not going to get into science here, right? But it's just common sense that that's that the COVID outbreak was uh, certainly uh, abetted by the fact of all this traveling, right? Yeah. And then they come home, and when they when they get to open the place, I mean, like, honestly, I don't get too sympathetic for professional athletes, but Anders Lee doesn't get to play in the first game at UBS Arena. Josh Bailey doesn't get to play. Like, that, that's just cruel, right? Beauvillier doesn't get to play, and it turns out it's a false positive test. Like, you know, some of these guys who helped them get to this place. So, look, it is bad right now. We talked about when we said we were going to do this Islanders War Check show, that we'd be checking the pulse over this long season. So I can't sit and, and say there would be blips. Now, you couldn't script this. You couldn't not predict this. You could not predict an outbreak. You know, the, the bad losses at the end of the road trip and now the outbreak that collides with the opening of their beautiful new arena. We'll talk about that later. But they, there's going to have to be some patience. I think you'd like to see some reinforcements. I believe Lamorell could do something in the next week or so that it'll just be gravy or another good player should everybody get healthy. Um, but we're going to have to ride this out a little bit because my expectations aren't that high. I don't care. I actually don't believe in the Rangers yet because of what I've seen. Um, I think they still have holes there. Uh, I think the Islanders have a better team than them, player for player, when the teams are both reasonably healthy. Um, but listen, you know they, they're going to if only for morale. They're going to need to take 
one of these home games coming up. Yeah, and, and Chris, you know, you you mentioned it. Maybe some band aid moves more so than yeah. panic trading here from Lamorello, and uh, you know. I don't know why I don't know why you wouldn't trust him. The man's been one of the most successful GMs in the entire Big Four sports in the United States and Canada over the last two decades. So, but I mean, he, he, I think you're right. He's got to do something because this is a skeleton crew. This is a bare bones crew. Andy Andreoff, Richard Panic, Grant Hutton. Who the hell are these guys, Chris? Who are these guys that they're rolling out? I'll stand up for Richard Panic, and it is amazing that that is his last name at this moment that we have in, in Highlanders right now. Richard Panic, I, I, you know, has been a respected player for a long time. The other guys are too. Don't get me wrong, but Panic has done it at this level, and he could play when he's in there. I don't think he hurts them. You know, here's the last thing that I want to say on the hockey side before we go to break. That is one thing that's come out of this is that, did you notice Noah Dotson, who had been benched, who, just like the other young guys, is the first guy to be punished and have to sit out a game. When they had to play him a lot, because they had to play him a lot, because so many guys out, he was spectacular on Saturday. He looked like somebody who's going to make $10 million a year in a few years. Uh, he, his, his confidence with the puck, because they kept on throwing him out there, I think partly because they had to. So if any good thing comes of this, it's a reminder for the young, the real strong prospects like a Dobson, like a Wallstrom, to take this moment and try to run with it. Do all the smart things that make Coach Trotz happy, but this is your opportunity to shine. So maybe we can see more of that in the coming days and weeks. Yeah, and, and, and yes, that was I guess that was unfair of me to about Richard Panic. I know he used to play for Chicago and um, I had a couple of good years with them, but I mean, you know, a guy that's, you know, what, 30, well, yeah, he well past, well past his prime already. And, uh, you know, again, the fact that the Islanders are rolling him out, Grant Hutton and, and some of these other guys, like it's, I just, th- this team has been disemboweled, it feels like already, Chris, and we're not even a month into the season. So, I, I mean, again, they've, they've got to just dig their teeth in, dig the claws in and, and, and just play some gritty hockey and get some results and, and maybe you can catch just a little bit of momentum. Um, and then you, as you get some guys back here over the next week or two, uh, I mean, again, I'm, you know, the COVID protocol, it's not going to last long. It's not going to last more than a week or two. So, I mean, but, you know, you're looking at another, you mentioned it, these four games here probably still with a decimated roster. So if they can snag a win or two, maybe it goes a long way to starting to, you know, the, the turnaround on this season. Because, I mean, I don't, I don't, and I say this carefully, I don't think it can get any worse than it has, but I, I probably I could be wrong. Well, the the question really is: is will that COVID list grow over the next few days? The thing that that just really struck me is that Bellows played in a game, and then you know, and now he's a, the the latest. Yeah, and you and you had the and so so it's like, is this going to grow? So that we don't know. Listen, losses are losses, right? They lost six in a row, so you know this could continue a little while. They're just going to have to keep their wits and their heads about them and not panic. Yeah, and, and, and Beauvillier, too, with the false positive, doesn't even get to play in the in the home opener. <laughs> so, all right, well, I got I got some of my off my chest there. That was good to do that. <laughs> so we'll take a quick break here, and when we come back, look, it was the opening of a beautiful brand-new arena 
which has gotten all the attention in the world, deservedly so. I know a couple people that have gone. They said it was tremendous. Chris, obviously you were there for the ribbon-cutting ceremony, and you had a chance to talk with the CEO of Oakview Group, Tim Lewicki, at his uh, Oakview Group, the company that manages UBS Arena and partnered with the Islanders on the project. So we will have Chris and Tim Lewicki here on the other side of this break, this is Islanders Forecheck. Hey, everybody, it's Chris. I want to take a moment to thank and tell you all about Instat Hockey. I'm a subscriber and think of the world of their product. They were the first major company to jump on board as a presenting sponsor of my podcast. I can't thank them enough. Instat Hockey offers the largest statistical data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. Their work is trusted at every level of the game by coaches, scouts, players, and of course, members of the media, like the people we spotlight each week on Press Pass. The Instat Hockey platform saves the user hours of time watching game film as team and player statistics are pre-cut into separate playlists, including players' individual shifts. All video clips can be edited, shared, and downloaded by the user. I've used their platform and so have many of the coaches I've worked with, so check them out. Visit instatsport.com hockey today for more info. Instatsport.com hockey. Hey guys, it's Pat, and I want to tell you about Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. A huge selection of hobby and family strategy board games for sale, from old favorites to the hottest new releases. A library of over 400 board games for open play every day. Our staff help you pick out games and show you how to play. Find your crowd at one of our Magic, The Gathering, Pokemon, or Dungeons & Dragons events for adults and kids, including our D&D after-school program, offered both virtually and in person. A full-service cafe, food and drink, coffee and desserts, Beer and wine, fun and friends. Located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village, go to MainStreetBoardGameCafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe. Unplug your game. Tim, of all the things you've been asked and talked about leading to this big moment this week, what is like the singular biggest achievement that got you to this place today? Uh, well, I think getting through COVID. I mean, you know, this is the second building we've opened in a couple of weeks. And so at the end of the day, getting into a position where we ultimately still plowed straight ahead and we didn't let COVID bother us, that was a, a huge accomplishment for Scott and his partners and the Islanders and us. And so I'm proud of that fact that while a lot of people went into hibernation, we didn't lay anybody off, we didn't cut anybody's salary, we actually grew, we actually kept on spending money. And I think um, I feel a pride with the 10,000 union workers that built this arena that we stayed the course with them. And in talking to the Islanders owners, you know, you notice all the special touches around this building. Can you share a little bit about the input that they had to make sure that you delivered on their message? It wasn't their input, their it was their direction. So <laughs> I, Scott Malkin did a great job on the design of this building. And Brian Garrison, who works for Scott, really is the creative genius behind everything that goes on in this building. So I'm really impressed by the commitment they made and the passion they had. That might be the greatest team store I've ever seen. So when you walk into the team store and see the passion and the emotion 
and, and what Scott did as to the design of that space. It shows you not only the brilliance in his mind on how he's able to go design the, the, these retail villages that he builds, but the commitment he has towards Islander fans and being first class the whole way. So you see that in every aspect of the building and that all the credit in the world goes back to Scott Malkin, Brian Garrison, and the team from uh, Value Retail. Anyone who's followed uh, Lou Lamorello's legendary career knows about his dedication to detail. So on the hockey side, where there's some specific requests, I'd heard about the visiting locker room, for example, to also be nice. So for free agency. Uh, yeah, what I'll say is uh, Lou and I have spent a lot of quality time together these last two weeks on a punch list. And as I always say around Lou, I am I'm much more interested in Lou having a punch list than Lou punching me. So we, we are good with what we did here. And yes, he has the best eye to detail I've ever seen on how he wants those locker rooms and the experience for his players. And hopefully we've been able to do, we'll find out tomorrow night if we did it for him. Seattle and Vegas aside, let's look at like the generation of buildings before then. Uh, how does this, this current generation of buildings, including at least two that you've worked on, compare? And, and where have the big changes been since like the days of Montreal's building or Toronto's building yep. that you know very well? So we, we don't compete with any of them. We learn from all of them. Mm-hmm. And I think what what we've done here that others will pay attention to is an awful lot of time and energy on sanitization, air circulation, the MERV 13 systems. I think they're going to look at our technology with the Amazon just walk out that we did in both Climate Pledge Arena and here at UBS Arena. I think people are going to pay a lot of attention to uh, our social clubs and dining areas that we've created here, much more social than, you know, building lots of suites. I think that's a huge change in the industry as well. So as I always say, what I love most about our industry, and, and we own the Arena Alliance with 29 of the best arenas in the country, where we come together and share ideas. We, we are a industry where we do share ideas, we do challenge each other, we do open ourselves up to our brethren and sisters in the industry, and we encourage them to learn from us, and we're stealing from them. This is a very unique transition for the fan base because I don't, I, you know, we'd, you'd have to go back to you know, maybe Boston Garden or something where, especially in 2021, where fans went from this really humble place uh, for a good reason for 30 years, this odyssey, to this spectacular place. What would be your message to Islander fans who, you know, everything is, is, is it's spectacular, it's beautiful, it pays uh, homage to history, but it will be a big change for them. So as one of the architects of this, you know, uh, leaders of this, what, yeah. what would be your message to them? So one, we're just grateful back to them that ultimately they have supported us through this process and rewarded us with a sold out season ticket base but we're also very conscientious that you don't want to overwhelm them we've tried to avoid uh having the haves and the have-nots in the building and so i think we've done a good job of making sure that this is an arena for all and by all um, I think we're proud of the fact we, we privatized it so we didn't have to go get caught up in the politics or the fights about uh, municipalities and states that came in and ultimately had to fund this. So it's, it's, a, it's a different kind of project than what was originally contemplated for many years here. It fell on the private sector. We've been very, very uh, fortunate that the fan base has supported us as well as they have, but we're also paying a lot of attention to make sure we don't overwhelm them when they come in the building. This has to be about... The, the comfort level of our fans. We don't want to overwhelm them by making it um, an experience where, where they're so overwhelmed that they, they kind of miss the old place. So the other thing I'll say is the bowl has obviously been a huge focus for us. That ceiling in this arena is almost the same amount of space between the, the, the ice sheet and the bottom of that uh, roof. 
that the Coliseum ultimately had, that intimacy that you saw at the Coliseum you see here, and yet we've added 4,000 seats here. It's a pretty remarkable accomplishment that populists figured out a way to build an intimate bowl, but that was the commitment we made where the levels of the building are cavaliered and they fly over the other levels below them, creates a much more intimate experience. I think that will be the thing the Islander fans actually appreciate the most is the intimacy of the building will feel a lot like the Coliseum. As the season, Islanders hockey season continues and the concerts happen, um, what are the kind of things that behind the scenes still need to be worked on or that you'll be in your team and populace, everybody be looking at to make sure that things I, are in order? We, we got a punch list at Climate Pledge Arena that I talk to my brother about almost every morning. And so we're going to have a punch list here and we're going to keep on getting better and we're going to steal ideas from my brethren in the industry. And we're going to continue to make sure that we improve here. But we, we love our partnership with Delaware North. We love what we're doing with them. Um, I think, you know, we'll get better every day. I think we'll have some rough spots here when we open the building because we had to get it built in a short period of time. But I'm pretty excited about uh, our ability ultimately to keep on improving as we, as we keep on putting events in here. And needless to say, unbelievably excited that we get to be the final stop on Harry Styles' tour. That's a real honor for us. And the demand that people have shown for those tickets, that's a good way to start a building. And we're, we're deeply indebted and very, 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 very committed towards Harry and Jeffrey and that partnership. And really grateful that Harry added one additional date and agreed to, to be the first music event in this building. That meant a lot to us. That was really a special thing. All right, back here on Islanders 4Check, Pat Boyle and Chris Botta. You just heard Chris talking with the CEO of Oakview Group, Tim Lewicki. That was back on Friday at the ribbon-cutting ceremony. And Chris will touch on the home opener and all the beauty and all the emotions and just the atmosphere on Saturday in just a second. But let's start with the ribbon-cutting ceremony on Friday. Um, I'm not sure if it was Friday, but I know obviously Shaq was, was there at the arena with all the chicken sandwiches and you had the groundbreaking moment of the ribbon-cutting ceremony. Chris, what was what was that like overall on Friday? Hey, look, it was exciting to be there on a personal level. Uh, it was kind of a strange thing that happened a couple weeks earlier. I was asked if I wanted to contribute uh, writing some articles for a publication, a trade publication called Venues Now, which is actually owned in part by the Oakview Group. It's about their industry, and it was flattering, and, and it was nice. You know, I threw on the mask, and, and through, I found a sport coat, which I hadn't worn in probably two years, and uh, it was nice to be around and see some old friends. I have to be honest there, the, you know, it, these ribbon-cutting things, they're political, right? Everybody's got a, you know, it's like 10 people spoke. Gary Bettman spoke. The governor spoke. Uh, John Ledecky spoke. It was all well done. Don't get me wrong. But it started about an hour late. You woke up that morning to the news that more Islander players were on the COVID protocol list. And you just started to think, at least for a fleeting moment, like, is it possible that even Saturday's game might not happen? So it, it was... You know, standing there is like, oh, isn't this typical, right? Like this grand moment even is a little bit fraught with uncertainty and everything. All that said, uh, it was lovely. Uh, they put on a good show. I uh, got to do some interviews after uh, for my publication. Uh, part of that is, is what uh, we heard. And I, I, I threw in a couple of Islander 4 check-related questions in the middle, which is why I asked about Lou Lamorello and about working with Malkin and, and Ledecky. Uh, but I appreciate Tim Lewicki's time. He's always been very good to deal with. I've covered him for a long time, going back to Sports Business Journal. And uh, so it was, it was cool to be there. 
and uh, got to taste some of the taste of the food. I'm not a big chicken sandwich or the Islander sandwich guy. Blue cheese and cream cheese isn't my thing. <laughs> but Greg Wyshynski gave it a rave to me. He ate it pretty much in front of me and said that it cuts the cheese perfectly. And he raved about it, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And um, but it was it was cool being there. But of course, you know the the big moment was Saturday, and I had the opportunity to be inside the building before the doors opened at five o'clock before all the fans came in. Yeah, and and, and how was that? And you know, we you mentioned Greg Wyshynski, You know, obviously ESPN they they did a nice uh, article, and I mean, there's been hundreds of articles written about the the opening of the arena itself and all the balconies and the speakeasies of the 17 arena bars at the Ube, which I think a lot of people are calling it already. I don't know if that nickname will stick. But yeah, you had the opportunity with your own very eyes to see the first human beings kind of just sprint into their seats off the escalators as the ice is fresh and powdered and ready to go just a couple of, just an hour, a little bit more than an hour before the puck was dropped in the ceremony for the first time. How was that overall experience, if you can encapsulate that uh, on Saturday night? It, it, it was moving, and I was kind of surprised by how um, emotional and moving it was for me, too. Like, I, I, I was in the arena, so the door, the game, the ceremony started at 7. The doors opened at 5. They want you in there early so you can drink a lot at the 17 bars, and you can go to Isles Lab, and they set a new record for apparel sales, and they probably set it in the first hour, if not the first 17 minutes, uh, a single-day sales record for in franchise history. Um, but I got it. I, I decided, well, you know, I should be near the doors when they open. So when you come into the Great Hall, there's a, uh, a big escalator that takes you up to the main concourse. So I positioned myself with three or four other reporters, TV people, at the top of the escalator and had my camera ready and figured, oh, you know, I'll shoot a little video when people come in. And I knew, I thought it would be cool, but to see the people come in and as they rode up the escalator, like I'm not kidding, People were crying, like sincerely, legitimately crying wow. and saying everything you would expect, like, finally, this is our home. A couple of people, like, pointed right at me, and which was, you know, very nice, too, and or at the cameras for, you know, Channel 11 and Fox 5 that was there and everybody else. And, and then they got up the escalator and the Islanders Hall of Fame plaques, which look just like the plaques that are in Monument Park, uh, Yankee Stadium. They look like uh, baseball Hall of Fame plaques, too. I was there when we I was with the Islanders when we did the first couple of ones. Uh, they're now right there. They used to be in the locker room hallway. Now they're reachable by the fans. And, and then they look around and they see the blue line deli that Don Rosner now has in there. Like good Long Island guy, good Long Island vehicle boss family. And the Offsides Tavern that Nick has and Costa that Nick has. And um, it was just it was just really great just to to give you an idea, the last thing I'll say about the emotion and how people would just like they go to this Isles Lab team store or they go over to the blue line. About 15, 20 minutes after the doors opened, I took the, the escalator up another level to, like, I guess it's the 200, 300 level, and there was still nobody there. There were all these concession stands, including where they sell the Islander, another place, the big chicken place for uh, Shaq's uh, company, and there was, like, 
nobody there. It was a ghost town because the thousands of people who poured in, they just like they got off that escalator and then they just kind of looked around in awe and wonder and in tears and, and, and screaming. And so it was it was an amazing, amazing moment and uh you know listen it was a it was a fluke that i wound up being there uh i hadn't planned to but i uh, you know it was i can honestly say somebody who this team has been a part of my life either as a child as a fan as an employee and now on into my uh, older age it was it was since it was legitimately a privilege to get to see this and, and experience it uh, that's incredible and to have that emotion to see people legitimately crying. I mean, I, I can't even imagine. This is a moment that Long Island has waited for for years. And again, you know, the Coliseum was 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 beautiful in its own right, but to have a state of the art, brand new arena that Long Island can call home, that the Islanders can call home, no longer playing games at an arena that's not even built for hockey in the Barclays. Not having to play at the Coliseum, not having to play 13 consecutive games on the road to have UBS Arena for the next several decades. Uh, I mean, it's it's you know I saw a couple articles. I think the most touching thing to have seen written is it's for the fans, it's for the people, it's for a city that has made it. It's for the people that have made it happen. Like, the people of Long Island made this happen. You in part, everybody else that has worked for the team, all the fans on Long Island and everywhere else, they made this happen. You know, I was, when I sat down to write my article after Saturday, after being there from, you know, 4 until 10, 11 o'clock at night, whatever it was, so then yesterday I sat down to write, and I'm writing, it's for a trade publication that's been used now, so, you know, this isn't... Um, this isn't going to be poetry necessarily, right? It's really supposed to be about the nuts and bolts of the industry. But I was trying to think about, like, you know, what 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 separates this opening from all the other arena openings that have happened across sports and stadium openings. And it really did hit me, and I, I try to, like, distance myself from this, even though it's impossible because it's been such a part of my life. But I came to the realization, like, they're really... You know, there might be some examples of it, and maybe there are in European soccer or something like that, European football, I should say. But I don't know if there's really ever been a venue opening in these parts, or certainly, maybe even in the U.S., that you can compare this to. Because we all, you know, in all these other communities, they move into a new arena. You even look at the Devils when they moved into the Rock. It's a great place. I loved it. I was there for the start of that one. It was like something they they wanted, they needed, and they got over time, and it didn't take that long. This Islander thing was thirty years in the making. There were, you know, there were threats to leave. Some with absolutely were hollow. Some of them were PR ploys, no question. But it was always a possibility. There was a stretch there where it was definitely a possibility. So when we talk about that emotion, when we talk about those doors opening, like I don't know, like you know, I'm just going through all different arenas that have opened in the U.S. and stadiums that have opened over the, the last few years. You can't compare this to City Field or Yankee Stadium. This was a whole different thing. So people might have cried when they walked into the latest Yankee Stadium because they love that monument park or the Hall of Fame that they put in there. But this time they were crying because this was like life to these people on Saturday night. And uh, 
again, it was just really special, and I think this is what makes this an arena opening like no other. All right. Well, again, just a, a magical weekend that's outside of the the actual play on the ice. And again, uh, Chris, I think as this uh, arena gets more and more games under its belt, you know, we're going to be, again, that championship, that Stanley Cup aspirations, they will rise again. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish the podcast here by saying this. This season is going to turn around. It, I, I firmly believe it, it, they are not going to continue to stay in the basement. They are going to compete for a playoff spot. As much as, as bad as it has been to start, there is 67 games left. We're not even at Thanksgiving. So there is plenty of time for this team to turn it around. I expect them to. And I expect them to really start playing some competitive, gritty, physical hockey that Islanders fans have come to love. It, it, is, it is possible that when we record our next edition of Islanders Forecheck, they still won't be better. Now, that's if we record in a week or two, and I think we will be. Um, and then I will, I'm also with you in that it still won't be over. So there's that. And the last thing I'll just add with on the arena front is, is like the Islanders, like they've now moved in with everybody else when it comes to these venues. So for, with all the great things that come with it and the stability and the home and the emotion and everything, you know, these new arenas are also the homes of the $17 beers. They're the homes of the $14 diet coats, uh, the $10, $8 waters. Um, I would say, you know, the people who can't, don't want to do that, and I get it, I don't, you know, plan accordingly. Uh, treat yourself to that Islander sandwich if that's your thing, or that spring roll if you like it, because that's actually, there's some of the delicacies there are really good. But there, with these new buildings come new gripes, parking, cold, the walk from the Emerald parking lot. These are, these are all things that will come with this. It's not the Coliseum. Time to let that go. Time to start some new history here. But yes, they have a hole here that they need to get uh, dig out of. Two of them, health-wise, and also getting their game back. And uh, it's going to be really interesting to see. It'll be all worth it if they figure it out. I still remain optimistic. I think they're going to need a little more time, but I'm still optimistic that they will find a way out. All right, Chris. Well, thank you again for providing us the insight. And uh, again, uh, we will have another episode of Hockey Press Pass next week. Until then, we want to wish everybody a, a happy and healthy Thanksgiving to you and all your families and loved ones. And for everybody on our team here, including Danny, Ksenia, and everybody else. And of course, Chris, I'm Pat Boyle. Thanks for listening to Islanders 4 Check. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Hockey Press Pass.